0: you've probably never heard of Sayyad Basam Pasha. But he's a hero, and he was trained. He was a policeman in one of the most dangerous places in the world, Afghanistan. Somehow, somewhere, he was also trained in sacrifice. I know this, because on the 16th of November, 2017, he sacrificed his life by hugging a suicide bomber as the bomber detonated his vest. He undoubtedly saved many lives that day. We often talk about those who give their lives as paying the ultimate sacrifice. And we should remember and honor them and be grateful for what they've done. We shouldn't forget. We should be going, Lord, thank you for those people. But we must also remember that Jesus himself, who did pay the ultimate sacrifice, doesn't just call some or even all of us, to pay that ultimate sacrifice. That idea of actually giving our lives for other people. Jesus calls us to live a whole life that is a sacrifice. Jesus calls us to live a life that every day shows what sacrifice looks like. The kind of life that Jesus lived here on earth. The kind of life where he sacrificed who he was in heaven. Being in very nature God. Where he steps down into this world and chooses to be born into a poor family. Chooses to be born in a stable family chooses to live an incredibly simple and sacrificial life and then dies so that you and I can live eternally. If we want to deeply and intimately know Christ, if that's our determined purpose, then surely we need to learn to live a life of sacrifice. See, it's part of being trained in righteousness. It's one of those practices that you and I must learn to live out every day. A life of sacrifice. It is part of our training in righteousness. It's training to live a life of Christ-like sacrifice taught and practiced, even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't want to do it. You know what's great is that some of the big guys, even the really famous heroes of our faith, really battled with this thing. Simon Peter identify so much with Simon Peter because he's always the first oak to open his mouth. You know, whenever there's a situation, he's like in there with his mouth, and so often it just traps him. Listen how desperately he needs to learn this lesson. In John chapter 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples about, <coughs> about leaving them and going to back to the Father, and Simon isn't happy about this. And in John chapter 13, verse 36, it says this. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times imagine what he felt like I mean he's just he's just said Jesus I'll I'll give my life for you and Jesus looks at him and says no you won't you're going to deny me before the cock crows tomorrow morning you're going to deny me three times imagine what poor Peter felt like in that moment truth is he actually did lay down his life in the end but he had to learn He first had to learn and go through the training of living a life of those small sacrifices so that ultimately he could live that life that he'd said he so wished he could. The truth is, Jesus warns us. I wonder when Simon heard that what things he was remembering back to that Jesus had said, that he'd heard Jesus say over and over again about sacrifice. I wonder if he thought of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I wonder, as Simon walked away, if those words were ringing in his ear. That idea that Jesus presents to every single one of us. The truth is, if we've listened to Scripture, if we've listened to what God says, none of us can go, oh, I didn't know that this following Jesus thing involved sacrifice. I thought it just involved going to heaven when I die. Jesus just makes it so incredibly clear. And so if that's true, if it's just so abundantly clear that, that one of the results of being a follower of Jesus is that we need to learn to live a life of sacrifice, what does the spiritual practice of sacrifice look like? Spiritual Sacrifice is the spiritual practices that stretch our sense of what we can do without. In other words, denying ourselves for the sake of God's kingdom for other people, and particularly for those who have less. Sacrifice, the spiritual practice of sacrifice, is that we stretch our sense of what we can do without for the sake of God's kingdom, other people, and particularly those who have less. Now, there's a real challenge around this particular spiritual practice. Discipline or this particular spiritual training. Because a lot of other spiritual disciplines and spiritual trainings are tied into a particular thing that you do. So, for example, Sabbath, you know, it's it's kind of focused on a particular day. Or or silence, you know, or prayer. You know, there's something connected very specifically to that specific thing, where in a sense you have to pull away from everything else and go and do this. Now, here's the problem with sacrifice. It's one of those spiritual practices that doesn't have a particular day that you do it in, or a particular place. It seems to pop up everywhere. It seems to be one of those practices that just we, we encounter the opportunity for it again and again and again in our normal everyday lives. And so the truth is, we have to be watching for it. We have to be able to say to ourselves, this is a moment. God has just presented me with a moment. And I need to, to, to do this practice of sacrifice. You will find out later on that there are disciplined ways of doing it. But it's one of those things that it may happen to you on the way to school. It may happen to you in a mountaintop experience or in a valley. But it's always there. God is always offering this gift to us of enacting this training of spiritual sacrifice. Another one of the struggles with it is that, is that it means different things to different people. There's some things that people view as sacrifices that may be easy for you. I want to give you my own personal example. What, one, of, one of the things that we have to sacrifice when we forgive other people is pride. Let's face it. You know, we have to go, okay, I'm not going like, to demand anything. I'm just going to go and, and, and ask forgiveness. I'm just going to do it. Now, I, I'm blessed. I had a mom who taught me how to forgive. And so for me, it's... it's Forgiveness, which is another spiritual practice, doesn't involve sacrifice, it's just it's easy for me to do. But there are other things that involve sacrifice that are incredibly hard for me to do. Like like the confession when I'm wrong about something. And so it's different for different people, and so in a sense, you're gonna to have to learn to you're gonna have to listen to the sermon a little bit differently you're going to have to go, okay, that example isn't about me, but you know what, this is a good example. So, so this is going to be a little bit different to listen to this morning. And the truth is, to talk about it, I have to choose some kind of system, some way of let's look at this particular thing and see what we can learn about sacrifice. And so this morning, the thing that I've chosen from Scripture that will help us understand what the practice of sacrifice looks like it's the whole issue of money. So, so that's what we're going to focus on, but don't get trapped there. This isn't a sermon about money. This is a sermon about sacrifice. But we're using money as, as, as an illustration of how, the script, how Scripture teaches sacrifice. There's a couple of reasons why I'm going to do that. Is Number one, the Bible talks often about money. And in fact, often uses money in Scripture as a way of teaching about sacrifice. A biblical scholar, Howard L. Dayton, says this, Jesus talked much about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, and more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So that's one reason. The Bible uses it often as an illustration. So there's plenty for a preacher to go there. I could go on the whole day. I won't. The second thing is money is a good object lesson here for us today because it is one of the idols of our world. Let's just face it. It's one of the idols of the world that we live in today. Probably more than anything else, it is the greatest idol in the world, the pursuit of more. Thirdly, and here's I think is the big one, is that in the kind of world we live in, money can buy an immense amount of comfort and security. So when you think about that, that, that money is one of those things that can buy a lot of comfort and security. As you look at the economy at the moment, and you look at your RAs, and some of you may go, Yes, thank you. And some of us go, Whoa, and comfort and security are the enemies of sacrifice. Comfort and security are the enemies of sacrifice. We don't want to sacrifice if it's going to threaten our comfort and security. And money can buy both of those things. So I think it's a great, it's a great model to use as we look at being trained in sacrifice. And so the first piece of training that the Bible gives us in terms of learning how to sacrifice, is what I've called the practice of disciplined sacrifice. The practice of disciplined sacrifice. In other words, that practice that says, I need to learn how to sacrifice, and one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to form a discipline that I do regularly, repeatedly, no matter what my personal circumstances are. To teach me to sacrifice. An example is from Leviticus chapter twenty seven, the old testament laws about tithing. A tithe, Leviticus twenty seven thirty, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord, it is holy to the Lord. So see so here Israel was being taught you need to sacrifice regularly, in a significant way, (laughs) 10% is quite a lot, eh? No matter if it's going well or if it's going badly. Disciplined sacrifice. That's, That's one of the systems that the Old Testament set up. Now, whether you believe that you should live by that law or not, That's up to you. I happen to believe that I should live by giving a tithe. That's one of my disciplined sacrifices. But the truth is that in the New Testament, Jesus also talks about it. He doesn't say you have to do it, but he often assumes that it's being done by people. In Matthew chapter 23 and Luke chapter 11, Jesus is having one of his famous conversations with the Pharisees, which don't always go terribly well for the Pharisees. And, and he talks about the fact that, that, they, that they tired their spices and stuff even, but that they've stopped loving people and caring for people. And he says, guys, seriously, you can't do that. You need to do both of those things. You need to stop just caring about the law Care about people, but you mustn't stop obeying the rule. You must still carry on tithing, but care for people at the same time. The early church is an incredible model of disciplined, sacrificial giving. When we read the fact that that people in the early church just gave, they sold their houses, they gave up what they had, and they said, "We, we need to help one another, We need to develop habits where we sacrifice regularly, irrespective of our current circumstances. It's that idea of our time. How often have you got up on a Sunday and gone, I don't feel like it today. I'm tired. But you see, I made a decision. I decided to volunteer at this. I decided to do that. I will do it no matter what my circumstances are. That's the first practice that the Bible says trains us in sacrifice. The second one is this, and it's the practice of what I've called first sacrifice. The practice of first sacrifice. This is the opposite of what I've called leftover sacrifice. We all know how to do that. You know, I've got all of this and, and I don't really need that. Let me give it to somebody else. Now, I want to say this. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with going and looking at your cupboard and going, I po- can't possibly wear all these clothes this year. I'm going to give my least favorite ones away. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But that doesn't train us in sacrifice. It doesn't train us to do with less so that other people can have. It's just a good thing to do and we should all be doing it anyway. But this idea of first sacrifice really trains us to understand what sacrifice means. We find an example of this in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10. It says this, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I don't know if any of you have been strawberry picking on that farm out there near Belito. You should go if you get a chance. But here's what happens. You watch it. in That field, the reason they, they, the reason they invite people to come and do it is because they can't keep up with the crop. That's why they invite people to do it. But it's so fun to watch people because they are just strawberries everywhere. But it's amazing how picky we get. Oh, there's a strawberry. Oh, no, that's not as big as that one. That one is not as nice as that one. And they, the trick is even the tiny little kids, they learn it just like that. No, no. I, and then when you pick the one that they had their eye on over here, they're like, that's not fair. You see, that's a perfect illustration of exactly what God is saying. God is saying to learn to sacrifice. That one that's the best. That one that everybody else has their eye on. You go and you pick that one and you give it to them. See, in the the New Testament, and in the Old Testament, the idea of, giving God what was left over was completely foreign. When they chose animals for sacrifice, they chose their best because He trains us in selflessness and sacrifice. Number three, the practice of what I call faithful sacrifice. This is not the same as faithful sacrifice because that's the first one where we just do it because we've decided to do it. This is faithful sacrifice. Possibly the best story of this is Jesus standing at the temple watching people put money in the money box, and in Luke chapter twelve uh, Luke chapter twenty-one, we read the story of the lady, the widow who came and put two copper coins into the, the treasury. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you know who gave the most, don't you? You know who gave the most, it was her. Not because it had the most quantity, but it was the most value to her. When I was a pastor at my previous church, there was a lady whose name was Gladys. She, she, she'd been widowed. She'd been left a little house, a steel, a, 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 an iron and wooden house, in the worst street in East London I'm not exaggerating the drug dealers lined up on the other side of her street quite literally she lived in this little house and from time to time I would go and visit Gladys and I remember going there one day on the 25th of the month and and I was praying with her she was quite sick and I was praying with her and as I was leaving she said to me Pastor just hang on and Gladys went into her kitchen and came back with a bag and a half of groceries. Now, I'm her pastor. I knew her personal circumstances. And she handed me these, pa- these groceries and said, Pastor, please make sure somebody who needs this food gets it. And I'm like, Gladys, you can't give me this. What's going to happen to you? Oh, she says, no, no, Pastor. I'll get my pension today. She says, and every day on my pension day, I clean out all the food in my cupboards that's left over from the last month, and I give it away because God has provided for me for next month. When last did you do that? When last did you go to your cupboard and say, everything that's left over, I'm just going to give away because now God's given me money for this month. You see, that's faith forgiving. That is giving, knowing that God will provide. Now, it's not irresponsible, silly giving. Sometimes people get into that and they just, they, they taunt God in a sense. She wasn't doing that. God had given her a pension for that month and she was going to use it. But she was going to be faithful. What about the practice of what I've called generous sacrifice? That sacrifice just because we can. Just because God has done something incredibly good for us. We just just want to thank you God. One of my favorite stories of that kind of sacrifice is the story of the Good Samaritan. It's from Luke chapter 10. And if you've been around church a bit, you'll know the story quite well. So Jesus is asked, who's my neighbor? And he, he says, I'll tell you the story. So the Samaritan uh, is on, the, this man's on the road, he gets mugged. And two very high up church officials avoid him. They walk on around on the other side. They don't want to get involved in this stuff. And then a Samaritan, somebody who's supposed to be the enemy, comes along, sees this man puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, fixes up his wounds, does the paramedic thing, and then leaves him there. But then this part of the story, he says to the innkeeper, when I come back, if you've spent anything else, just tell me and I'll make it up to you. How often do we just do the minimum of what we need to do to help somebody? And we hand him over and we go your problem now, baby. I mean, we do. We do that. But not generous sacrifice. Generous sacrifice doesn't do that. Generous sacrifice says, you know what? I can actually do more because God has been so incredibly good to me. Those people who pay school fees for children that aren't their children. Those teachers that teach Teenagers and kids here on a Sunday after they teach the whole week. Those busy lawyers who give extra time. Those doctors, those accountants, those teenagers who babysit. Those housewives who cook an extra meal for somebody who needs a meal even when they're this full of cooking. You see, that's what sacrifice is. It is such a great gift. Not only those sacrifices, but the last practice is a practice that I've called the practice of simpler living. That that practice that says, "I'm I'm not going to spend everything I have. I'm not going to live to the max." I'm going to live inside my own means so that other people can live a good life or a better life. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples to go and do stuff. And one of the interesting things he says to them is when you arrive at a house and and they welcome you in, stay there. Just stay with the people who welcome you in. Don't keep moving around because now you get to know the, house, the, the town, and ooh, that person's got more bedrooms than this person. You know that person's better than this person. I, I'm going to go there because that's it. Jesus says, "Don't do that." When you get there, just settle down, be with the, be content. Paul alludes to that, doesn't he? He says, "I've learned the secret of contentment. Whether I have a lot, whether I have a little." I'm content. The secret of contentment is this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, through living his life of sacrifice, he'd learned these lessons. He'd learned that whether it's time, money, doesn't matter what it is, if I learn to live a life of sacrifice, I learn how to depend on Jesus Christ through whom I can do all things. Here's the, here's the best thing about sacrifice. It's immeasurable power. It's immeasurable power. Uh, one of the favourite parts of my job is being the messenger for other people who are sacrificing on behalf of people. Pastor, will you go and do this for that person on my behalf? Will you do this? And you you know what's amazing? Everybody's happy. In those situations, when somebody is sacrificed so that somebody else can have, they are full with joy because they're able to give. The people who are receiving are filled with joy because they receive, and I get both ends of that happiness. It is such a delight for me to witness And what it is, it is the immeasurable power of sacrifice. It is the testimony of the early church who won over the entire Roman Empire. How? By preaching Jesus... And by sacrificing, sometimes their health, sometimes their own lives, sometimes their money. But what blew the Romans' minds with these people who we hate and vilify and persecute. They just keep sacrificing. Boy, they must really believe in this Jesus. And then finally, this immeasurable power of sacrifice. It's right here in front of us. The fact that God came down from heaven. That Jesus gives his life. That Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the nature of a servant came and lived a sacrificial life amongst us and then paid the ultimate sacrifice so that today you and I can sit here and go, God, thank you for my eternal life. You see, that's what sacrifice does. It changes us, it changes the world and it changes eternal destinies let's give thanks together oh.